Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have a great episode for you tonight. I am joined by creator and host of Spaced Out Radio, Mr. Dave Scott. Dave has experienced many aspects of the paranormal himself, from encountering the angel of death in the eyes of a loved one, alien abductions, a Bigfoot encounter, and meeting an extraterrestrial several times he has named Carl. Dave also has a background as a radio journalist for nearly 10 years. In my opinion, this background has given him the ability to provide a great interaction with each of his guests. You can join Dave live every Monday to Friday from 9 p.m. to midnight Pacific Standard Time. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, or have questions, comments, or just want to say hello, drop me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the show. You can find me on YouTube, Podbean, FringeRadioNetwork.com, KPNL Digital Network, and any place you find fine podcasts. You can also join me on Discord, where we can chat while listening to new episodes as they are released on the second and last Sunday of each month at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This segment of Paranormal Heart 101, Tips on Note-Taking and Documenting with Unearthing Shadow, Andrea Bailey. Hi, this is Andrea, the lead investigator and founder of Unearthing Shadows Paranormal, and you're listening to Paranormal Heart Podcast with Kat Ward. Welcome to the segment of Paranormal Heart 101. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing the importance of taking notes and documenting your findings while investigating. Now, this generally starts even before you start your investigation. As a rule of thumb, from the moment you step foot on the location that you're about to investigate, um, you should whip out a pen and a piece of paper or even your phone and just have like a voice recording and start documenting everything that you notice. Uh, Even things such as like weather, visibility, um, abnormalities, and sounds especially like if if there's if it's a high traffic area you might want to note that if perhaps there's a party going on next door and there's noise coming from there you might want to note that as well all of these things will be really helpful for you when you're doing your evidence review for debunking and also supporting your claims you also want to note things like um when the owners or whoever's responsible for the property they might tell you and they generally do when you first show up to a location about things they've noticed on the property, things to watch out for, um, where activity commonly occurs. So it's really good to actually document this and not just rely on your memory. One thing that we do with the team is that we have a standard document that we take around. um, Generally, the team kind of splits into two, where half the team sets up and the other half the team will go around the entire location and note a temperature Um, reflective objects, any 
points of interest, like just really anything that we need to be aware of and that we can have some things to compare later on and at the end of the night just to see if there's any differences. So that's that's really key. Now, when we're investigating, we know that it's not practical to be walking around with a pen and a piece of paper writing down notes um, <laughs> for every little thing that we notice. One, that's very time consuming to do that. And two, often we're in dark and maybe not the most favorable locations to be investigating um, or places that we're overly familiar with. So how do we get around that? And the answer to that is use your all your other equipment. Use uh, digital voice recorders. Use video recording equipment. Um, I think it's really important that to have extra voice recorders and just set them up throughout different areas of the location and just let them run. Usually they, a lot of them will run for a few hours and will definitely last the length of your investigation. It's also a really good idea to set up static uh, video cameras and just start them, even start them before you've officially um, started the investigation. But a key thing with this is that you want to make sure that you have extra batteries and that you've got extra data cards um, because often those only last, you know, anywhere from like an hour and a half to two hours, maybe slightly longer. And generally investigations last a fair bit longer than that. So you just want to make sure that you have checkpoints to replace these items so you're not missing out on any possible, you know, holy grail of investigating or um, evidence that you captured. But back to the investigating and documenting, um, I always say, and the team would agree, that it's really important to, while you're in the investigation, that you're speaking out loud what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Now, again, you have to be, you know, you can't just be yelling things out if somebody's having a good <laughs> spirit box direct communication, you know, and interrupting. But when it's reasonably appropriate, like it's always good just to speak out and say, I'm noticing this right now, or there's something over in the corner, make everybody aware. Um, this is a really good um, trigger for when you're reviewing evidence. So then you know that you can, at that particular time, you can match it up with your other data that you collected at that particular time and review the evidence. Like, are you picking anything up on your sound cards? Are you picking anything up on video? Were there any photos taken at this time? You know, so you can expand these things and kind of dive a little bit further than maybe you normally would just skimming through the evidence. Um, as we know, you sit for hours and hours reviewing all this evidence and it's very easy to miss something, especially if it's not obvious. Um, it's also a really good thing to do that if you're in a dusty location to note those types of things um, because that's where a lot of the, the false orb claims come from or perhaps that you're hearing noises outside. One time we were at a location and you could hear these seagulls. Now we knew they were seagulls from the outside and it was a good thing that we pointed that out because upon reviewing the evidence that had slipped our mind for a moment and we thought we were getting these incredible spirit voices coming through because it's exactly what it sounded like, but it wasn't. It was just the seagulls. So it was good that we noted that to, to jog our memories. Now, the last piece of advice, I guess it's kind of a two-parter, um, after your investigation, I think it's very important to hold a debriefing and for everybody just to discuss what they noticed, um, you know, just any thoughts in general about the investigation, because sometimes more information will come out at that point as well. And then when you record that, so, you know, you're tired, you've had a long night, 
you may have this great point then and then you've forgotten about it later. So if you just document it at that point and everybody has a quick discussion, it's it's a really great thing to do. And I also suggest that you keep um, a notepad or record it on your phone or however you do track your notes um, for a few days after the investigation because things that you may not have really thought of at the time will pop into your mind and be like, oh, right, that happened. I completely forgot then you can make note of it. And again, you can discuss that with your team and you can go back to your evidence um, that you collected and review at those particular points to see if you missed anything. So I think documenting, taking notes, um, all of these things are so important so that you can form a really solid and credible report as most of us do. And it backs up your information Again, everybody's always so worried about uh, debunking, but debunking is really important as well because that actually supports when we do have claims of real paranormal activity because it shows that we've done our due diligence. So taking notes is, is really fundamental. Anyways, thank you all for listening to another episode of Paranormal Heart 101. And I hope that you found this, this interesting and helpful in your, your investigating journeys. Take care, everybody, and happy ghost hunting. Thank you, Andrea, for your informative tips. Now, on with the show. <laughs> hey, Mr. Scott, welcome back to Paranormal Heart. Cat Ward, you are one of the <laughs> gems of this community. How are you? Oh, thank you so much. Uh, fighting a little something, but I'm, I'm uh, stubborn and I'm pushing through. Uh, other than that, I'm doing quite well, thanks. How are you doing? I am overtired. I could probably <laughs> sleep for a week. I haven't had a vacation in oh, 11 years, so I think it's uh, this is going to be my year for vacation. That's for sure. <laughs> well, like we were saying before we started to uh, record, I don't know how you do it when you work and you have a three-hour show Monday to Friday. I mean, you you don't sleep. You're not human. <laughs> oh. I will sleep when I'm dead, and hopefully it's a long time from now. <laughs> but Amen to but that. Just like you, I have a passion for what I do, mm-hmm. and you know you have to follow that passion. You have to follow that that want and that that pull that you feel gravitated towards. So I guess that's my calling: is to go with a lack of sleep and overworked, <laughs> but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it, it makes a huge difference when you enjoy what you're doing. I mean, you know, you could be ill, you could be tired, uh, whatever. Uh, the show must go on, you know, because it, it doesn't feel like a job. Well, it's not a job for me. It's, it's, a, it's a hobby, but I really enjoy doing this. So um, it really makes a huge difference when you actually enjoy what you're doing. Oh, isn't that the truth? And and you know what? With With everything that's going on in the world right now and and the upheaval, whether it's political, whether it's COVID, whether it's not even really giving a care about thy neighbor anymore, yep. you know, it gives you a little bit of an out in order to step away from reality and into something that you can just take your mind away. And, you know, like on our show, we have banned all politics we have banned all COVID talk. We have banned, you know, not that we don't don't want to discuss the topic, but, you know, the average person, Kat, they, from the time they wake up in the morning till the time they go to bed, 
they are hammered with COVID. They are hammered with with politics. They are hammered with whatever our illustrious prime minister is making up that day. They, you know, they are, they're worn out. People are worn out. And for our audience, when they show up for our show, whether it's the Monday through Friday night or on the weekends, they're looking for that escape. Something that they can take their mind off of for a few hours, just like your listeners, when they tune into you, they're listening to you because they're tired. They need something to take their mind off of all the BS that is going on around them because we don't get a break. The media has gone nuts. Politicians have gone nuts. The public has gone nuts. And so if we can provide a little bit of UFO talk or some Sasquatch talk or ghost talk, that is just something. And even if it's only an hour, that is something just to take their minds off of something. So I think what you're doing, what I'm doing, and what other people are doing, it doesn't even matter if it's in our genre. It could be sports talk. It could be cooking. It could be uh, any type of talk, anything. Jeez, knitting and crocheting. <laughs> it's, it's at least we are so important right now to help people. And I think we as podcasters and YouTubers and radio show hosts need to put an emphasis that we're needed more than ever right now to help the population and the people take their minds off of things. So I'm very proud of what you're doing. I'm very proud of what I'm doing and others like us are doing because believe it or not, we may not notice it, but we are helping. Very well said. Uh, If I had a glass of rum, I'd raise the glass. All I have is Gatorade. (laughs) Just so. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, yeah, so true. People just need an outlet just to forget about everything that's going on right now. And and I don't want to delve into it, but COVID has turned political now, at least here in Canada. Uh, That's how I feel. And um, but that's not what the show's about. Uh, it's a place where people, like you said, can just forget about that for a while. You got that right. And and that's important. That's very important, you know, for us to be able to, to just be who we are and be who we need to be. And I hope that we're able to continue that. I really do hope so because I don't know about you, but I'm worn out by everything. Yeah, I really, and uh, I can't stand it anymore. I really can't. And I am so thankful for this community uh, with, with the people and the interviews that we do on Spaced Out Radio. And it's not just me, it's other people such as yourself or, or, you know, other shows that I listen to because mentally... I don't know if I could do another six months or a year or two years of COVID. I really don't. Uh, you know, I'm tired of accusations. I'm tired of politics. I'm tired of uh, Antifa. I'm tired of uh, Justin Trudeau. I'm tired of political <laughs> backlash. I'm tired of everything. And and it 
you, I look at people now, we're like zombies. We're, we're literally like zombies. We don't know what to do. You know, you, you know when somebody, if you're ever watching a, a group of ants, the ants always follow each other. Mm-hmm. And we that trail. And we yep. don't know which way to go now. That's what it's like. I don't know if, you, if it's like that in your community right now, but it sure as hell is in mine. And at some point, I just want to go look for Bigfoot, man. The winter is killing me. I need I, the snow up here is going to be here for another three, three and a half months, and before it melts up, I just need to get into the forest to go look for some Bigfoot, or, or have the temperatures warm up so I could sit outside on my patio and stare up at the stars and look for for UFOs or something. You know, I mean, need something to take my mind off of everything. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, my wife is getting sick of me, but. You know, it's just the way it is. I I have to mention that uh, a friend of mine recently got, uh, well, because I'm in the military community, and this lady and her husband are both military, and they're when they were in their PMQ uh, over the summer, they said they were looking up, and they saw this string of lights, and they thought, oh, we've never ever seen anything like that before. It has to be aliens. It has to be UFOs. What is that? We've never seen that ever in our lives. So he brings out his phone and he Googles it. Uh, it was Elon Musk Starlink. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. I, you know, I want to see that. I think that would be the coolest thing to see. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know it's flown over our community here a number of times and it's like I miss it by minutes. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it either. You know, I mean, do you get the northern lights where you are? Um, not very often. We did when we were, when we were in Alberta. That was amazing. Oh. Uh, but yeah, it, we don't get it all very often over here. You must uh, get it. We get it a little bit. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while. It's been a couple it's been about a month and a half, 2 months. Hmm. But I'll tell you there's something special about the Northern Lights, isn't there? That there is. Uh, when I was born, born and raised in New Brunswick, now in Ontario, but uh, New Brunswick, sometimes we'd see the Northern Lights too, and it would always amaze me. And, you know, people who see it on a regular basis, I don't know if they take it for granted or, or if they cherish it like we do. All I know is that just once and only once, have I had them right over top of my house? Oh wow! He had every color. It was red, orange, yellow, green, purple, white, blue, and they were dancing like right over top of my entire community. And it was, it was what you see. You know, when you see those videos on television yeah. or on YouTube. Of, of the amazing display. It was exactly like that. And I didn't care how cold I was. I was staying <laughs> out there to watch it, man. I mean, how do you turn down an opportunity? The crappy part about it is it was happening. Like literally it started about, about 40 minutes before my show. Oh. So I got to watch it for about yeah. half an hour. And then I had to go back down into the studio. And by the time I got back up, uh, after my show, three hours later, you could just see the the green, 
line of it in the horizon, you know, and I'm just like, oh, I wanted to watch that <laughs> so bad. I could have just fallen asleep on my patio watching the Northern Lights. Yeah, the first time we, I saw it in Alberta, I went outside to put the dog out and I looked up and I'm like, what the heck is that? Because in Ontario and in New Brunswick, they weren't nearly as strong as they were in Alberta. And I was like, what is this? And I thought, oh my, it must be the Northern Lights. So I run in the house and I grab the family. I'm like, guys, guys, you gotta, you have to come outside. So we're all standing there going, wow, this is amazing. It's just so beautiful. That ribbon. It is one of nature's most beautiful sightings that we get. Yeah. really is. Now, we were discussing before we were recording, I wanted to talk about that footage of uh, the Bigfoot that was seen in Idaho of last year. And I've seen a few, like, I'm not an expert when it comes to looking at Bigfoot. I've never had any, a Bigfoot encounter. Um, well, I think I did, but anyways, it was a, I, I didn't actually see it. It was during a paranormal investigation um, out at uh, Buck Hill here with the team, but I've never really had a good um, encounter with one, but this footage looks, I don't, to me it looks real. I, I was mentioning to you when, when the Bigfoot walks and when he picks up his, his, his hind foot and you look underneath it, it doesn't look like it's a suit to me anyways. I just want to know what your thoughts were on that. I'm 50-50 on this one. You know, the, the video looks, I mean, it, it looks the size. It, yeah. You know, I would expect a little bit more hair. I have been within 100 feet of two of them. And that happened in September of 2013. And I never saw the face of the one I got a full right side and back profile, but the hair was longer on it. I mean, this one almost looks like, you know, a hairy Ukrainian. <laughs> and I'm saying that being Ukrainian, no shot at the Ukrainians. Okay. I'm Ukrainian and I know how hairy my species can be. Right. You I'm know? Ukrainian on my dad's side. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I don't know what it is about Ukrainians where somehow we end up with more back hair than head hair. You know, I don't get that. But that's a conversation for a different time. But, you know, this footage here, I want to believe this is true because, I mean, the size of it, it's thick, it's large. The head, I question the head. The head seems a little bit more human than, than what I've seen. And in other pictures I've seen, the hair I question, uh, the way it walks with its head down, I question that as well. Because, you know, a human, when you're in an uncomfortable position or you're in a, in a, in a costume that you can't see well out of, the best thing to do is to look down where you're walking. Yeah. And that makes me question it a little bit. Um the feet, I agree with you on the feet. The feet look very real. You know, the way the knees are haunched, it looks real. It looks heavy, you know. So I'm just not sure, and I'm not the expert. You know, the problem that one of the problems we have right now in the Sasquatch field, cat, 
is the fact that ever since the Patterson-Gimlin film 50 years ago, we have become so highly critical of especially the last five years. Um, we've become so highly critical of every piece of evidence that you get a bunch of investigators out there who are tearing everything apart only because they didn't get it. Yeah. And they're the only ones who can sit there and say, I can, I'll tell you whether it's real or not. I'll know. They don't want the story. They don't want the buildup. They don't want anything. They're going to base everything on that footage. And nine times out of ten, they're going to call you a liar or a hoaxer. And they'll try and ruin your reputation because, you know, that's just what they do. And it's an unfortunate side of it. I encourage my listeners, by the way, that if they ever got that smoking gun video of Bigfoot or Dogman or aliens or UFOs or, or paranormal, do not post it on social media. <laughs> yeah. You, you will be ruined. Apart. Yep. You look at you look at Bob Gimlin and and Roger Patterson from the Patterson Gimlin film. Bob Gimlin is eighty eight years old, ninety years old now. All right, and him and his family are still harassed fifty four years later. I know it's over, wild. You know, I mean, you think about that. If would you want your and it's not just him, his wife, his children, his grandchildren, his great-great-grandchildren have all had to put up with, my grandpa's a liar, my grandfather's a liar, my dad's a liar, mm-hmm. or a hunter, or whatever. And with the experiencer who has this encounter, catches a great photo or video, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. If, if you release it, everybody's going to hate on you because they're going to think you're a faker if it's that good. Yep. But if you don't release it, you're hiding something. And I really encourage my listeners that if you ever got that video, don't release it. Do not send it to the public. Number one, you're not going to let's, – let's get rid of the – Without sounding negative, let's get rid of the idea that you're going to make a million dollars off of this. Television shows that deal in our programming, they don't pay a million dollars for a video. They don't. You might get five grand, maybe ten grand. Okay? You'll get one percent. You're not quitting your day job. (laughs) You're not quitting your day job. Perfectly (laughs) perfectly said. Okay? But... Why would you want to put your family through that harassment? I couldn't live with myself knowing that I put my family in a predicament, you know, where my children or my grandchildren are going to question my own sanity. You know, I wouldn't do that. So it's a sad commentary for the community that we can't even bring good evidence to the table without it getting absolutely thrashed, you know? And, I mean, I want that video. I would love for that next Patterson-Gimlin video to come out. I would love for that next Bigfoot video to come out where we can look at this and say, what is that? 
you got to be kidding me. This mm-hmm. looks incredible. This looks fantastic. Right? We're all er- er wanting that. Yep. How do we get there? We can't. We can't. You know? And it, it's a sad commentary. I wonder if he regrets releasing that video. I've never had the pleasure of speaking with him. Neither have I. I've, I've been in contact with him via email, mm-hmm. but only to invite him as a guest. Like I've never engaged in conversation, but I know people who have. Mm-hmm. His life has been a living hell. Yeah. I'm you not know? surprised. It's, it's been, I mean, you, you try and get a job. Why am I going to hire you, you not-so-bigfoot guy? <laughs> Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. you know what? Uh, there was a short time where I'm not sure if it was Patterson or Gimlin were actually just said, screw it. It was a hoax because they didn't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. I can't remember. But, I heard that too. Yeah. And I can't remember which one. The people, when you say it isn't a hoax, this is real. You have the people who are like, you're a faker, you're a liar, you're, you're, you're disgusting for trying to pull this off on people try and steal money and and making up these stories. But the minute you say you're a hoax, okay, fine. It's a hoax. I don't want to deal with the stress. My family doesn't want to deal with the stress. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. I'm beat up. I'm tired of the accusations. Fine. You want me out? It's a hoax. See, told you it was a hoax, you liar. Yeah. And everyone, like a vulture, all the vultures come out and attack you and say, see, I knew it. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you're using it as a defense mechanism. Yeah. We've right. all done do it. We, <laughs> so memo, memo to the paranormal heart <laughs> audience out there, if you're listening, if you get the million dollar video or photo, mm-hmm. do not release it to the public. What you would want to do is you would want to very diligently seek out university professors as well as uh, very high quality investigators you know, like the late Butch Witkowski, like yes. a, a Stan Gordon or a David Weatherly or people of that ilk, that caliber, Lyle Blackburn, uh, a number of people that are out there. You want to seek out their acknowledgement as well as university professors' acknowledgement. Once you get the, the confirmation that this is something special, then you can think about it, okay? Then you think about, okay, maybe contacting that Sasquatch show or whatever. Maybe they'll pay you for the footage. But to release it on social media, the only thing you're doing is causing your family strife. That's yeah. it. Then the trolls come out. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And- it really, really upsets me, even people in the field, when someone... Um, shows some of their research or some videos or anything that they've they've taken, and they just tear them apart instead of everyone working together and saying, oh, "Okay, what do you have here? Let's let's analyze it. Let's work together and figure out what it is." I know you said it countless times on on your show, and it just. Do you think we'll ever have a community where we can actually? <laughs> no, and he shakes his head. No, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question, and and I do have a purpose for this. Mm -hmm. But I want you and your audience to think about this. What is proof? Mm. Everybody says, we need proof. What is proof? 
Some people, people will say, well, we need video evidence. We need audio evidence. We need uh, readings from everything from a Geiger counter to, to EMF. Mm-hmm. We need audio. We need video. Okay, well, let's break it down. Every video that's come out, the majority of the public says fake. Mm-hmm. Every, every high-quality photo that comes out, it's been photoshopped. Every piece of audio that comes out that is odd, it's edited. Nobody believes a ghost box. Nobody believes what we are getting. Mm-hmm. The only people who believe what we're getting are us because we're in that situation when that happens. Mm-hmm. So here, here's the problem. Proof for you, Kat, proof for every one of your listeners, and proof for me is different to us individually. What I see as proof, you may see as not proof. I don't need proof of extraterrestrials being on Earth or disclosure. I've had it for myself. Other experiencers have. You don't need proof on what ghosts are because you've encountered them. Yep. Right? The Sasquatch people, the Dogman people are the same way. The near-death experiencers are the same way. Out-of-body experiencers, astral travelers, you name it. So when somebody says proof, show me proof, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And neither should you or any of your audience because proof is individual. Now, if you're complaining about anecdotal evidence where I'm tired and and the community has this right, where we're tired of stories, we're tired of, well, this is what I saw, and the Black Triangle did this, and down below it was hovering above a haunted house, and we watched these spirits rise into into the craft. Show me. Hmm. I can't show you. You have to take my word for it. Well, why should I trust you? And because we're so skeptical because of the television shows, all right, that we need to be skeptical and we need to be overly skeptical. We've killed an industry of beautiful stories. Beautiful stories. You know, we have people out there who absolutely refuse to listen to indigenous First Nations stories. Those stories have been going on for thousands of years. Do you not think we should listen? Yeah. Right. That that really shocks me. Yeah. Hmm. Right? So, I don't know what it is about this community. I've been, like you, I've been trying to put my finger on it. And I've gotten to the point where I just don't give a damn anymore. I really don't. Because my audience, they love the stories. They want me to bring on people who can talk about their alien encounters, what it's like being taken up to a craft, what it's like to be waking up with weird marks on your body, all right? Or what it's like to encounter a Sasquatch up close and personal, or what it's like to live in a haunted house where, you know, you can barely sleep at night. Because there's so much going on, right? That's what my people want. And you have to deliver to what your audience is, you know? But, I mean, the community, 
this community would eat their own if they could. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I uh, Sometimes I don't like it when people send me photos or videos and say, I captured a cryptid or a ghost or whatever, and what do you think? Well, first of all, I need to find out everything that they were going through. I wasn't there. I didn't experience what they were experiencing. So to look at a photo or video or whatever, I don't feel like I'm qualified enough to be able to tell them, oh, it's a bunch of rubbish, or no, you got something you know, cred credible here. Because I wasn't there. I don't know their experience. Do you ever well, feel that way? I do. Yeah. I do. I get sent videos literally every day. And I don't say that to sound cocky or, or anything, but literally there are people who will send me things every day. Mm -hmm. I don't have to watch them. I'll try and skim through them. Um, but the big thing is, I don't know if they're real or not. The blur, the blurry photos where they've zoomed in so far that everything is pixelated. Yeah. Well, there's the eyes and this is the nose. And can you see the hair sprouting up here? Yeah. And no, all I see is a big blob of <laughs> Roblox or yeah. Minecraft characters. Right. <laughs> right. And he's holding I a mean, pint of Guinness. I swear. <laughs> you know, um, you know, the, the big one for me with all of this is, is how do we, how do we get people to just send us the proper photo? Mm -hmm. Send us the original. Yeah. Don't mark it up. Don't change the coloring on it. Don't zoom in. We can do that on our own. We all have that technology. You know, let us do it. Let us find it. I made that mistake once with with David Weatherly on a on a photo that I had from a ghost tour I used to run at our local museum before COVID. And we actually got the picture of a head of a horse, a ghost horse, wow. sticking its head to the stall. Yeah. You, you could see the flat face, the, the nose, the mouth, the jaw, going all the way up to the ears. It's a beautiful photo. But what they did was they circled it. So now your eyes automatically go yep. to that circle. And now, because the human brain is always trying to transform shapes into something we recognize, mm -hmm. now it looks like a horse. Now, I know what they did because I was standing right there. Mm -hmm. I saw the original photo. But when the one they sent me had the circle around it, I'm like, oh. Right? Yeah. What do you do? And I didn't know any better at that time. Until David Weatherly was like, yeah, don't send it to me that way, man. Just send me the clean photo. Yeah. But I think I think we're growing more conscious about it. But it was funny. I was on the Angry Ghost Hunter, one of these shows. We do it with Ross Allison, and Jacob Rice and Merle talking about everything about the paranormal. We do it the final Wednesday of each month on, on my YouTube channel. And one of the things that cracks me up is skepticism. Why is it hard to believe? Mm -hmm. And why I'm going to do a little imitation here for you. And I know it, it makes other people laugh, so I'm sure you'll <laughs> laugh too. 
why does every ghost team website have a picture of a skeptic like this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why? Why do we need that? If you are a paranormal investigator, you know, let me put it this way. Paranormal investigation, you need to figure out what you are. Are you an enthusiast going for a thrill like I do? Mm-hmm. Like when I go ghost hunting, I don't go to solve anything. I just want the experience. I want to feel it. I want to taste it. I want to, I want to just enjoy the moment and have my mind try and figure out what it was I saw. Or you have people who are actually trying to solve the mysteries of what is going on. Because there's a lot of cool mysteries. Is there life after death? How many ghost teams talk about figuring out life after death? Wouldn't that be, considering we're all going to die, wouldn't (laughs) that be an important one to try and figure out? I'm not interested in whether Aunt Nessie is wearing a dress or a skirt. (laughs) I'm not interested in little Bobby on whether or not he found his ball. Is there life after death? Are we actually, maybe there is no life after death, but because science is starting to believe that there are multi dimensions out there, that maybe we're actually running into a different dimension where we are the ghost to them and they are the ghost to us. I have thought of that. Yep. Is there portals that take us to that land? Is is the soul eternal or the energy, the consciousness, whatever you want to call it? Okay, is it eternal and go someplace else and they all gather in a heaven-like place? We don't know. Rather than telling me about little Bobby and and Aunt Mabel, let's solve some questions. I don't care about murders or trying to solve that unsolved crime because I know the ghosts around here, they sure as hell aren't telling me where their buried gold is along the gold rush trail. And old Davey would love some of that gold. I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? There is one spot in town where the local historians believe that underneath our highway, they accidentally paved over when they put the new highway in that they accidentally paved over about 8 to $12 million worth of gold Ooh. that was buried by a prospector. That would be interesting. And, and all of the evidence that they've been able to collect. So for people who don't know, I actually live, if, if we go look behind this wall, it go about three quarters of a mile. That is where the original Gold Rush Trail is that started in in Nevada, California, made its way through Oregon and Washington State into British Columbia around a Soyuz and and into the Fraser Valley where where they caught a riverboat up the mighty Fraser River to a small little haunted town now called Yale. And then they, they bought their horses and their buggies at Yale, and they started the trek up towards the Klondike in Alaska during the gold rush of 1865. Okay, I live three quarters of a mile from that trail. Wow. I will tell you now, Kat, it doesn't matter where you walk on that trail. 
you got ghosts. You've got ghosts, and it is fun. It is too. <laughs> and, you know, but the big thing that that we need to figure out is what are we doing the investigation for? And I just want to clarify with your audience, I'm not an investigator. I am an enthusiast. Mm-hmm. I'm an experiencer. Okay, so when I go out looking for Sasquatch, I don't bring a camera. I don't, you know, outside of my iPhone, I don't bring a camera. I don't bring any meters or, or anything like that. I'm starting to build some toys, though. I really am. I got myself a flare because I just want oh. to look cool. <laughs> Those are pretty cool, though. I have one, yeah. It was a present to myself, a $300 present to myself. Yeah. So... Um, but I, I want to, I want to experience for me because I, I'm not here to, to show off. I'm not here for a television show. I'm here for me where I can, I can go out and I can have some fun. I mean, some people throw darts, some people geocache, some people play slow pitch, some people play flag football or hockey or whatever. We won't mention soccer because soccer is the equivalent of sports antichrist. Okay. <laughs> but there, everybody has a hobby for me. I like going to look for these things. I like going out just like you do. I, it, to me, if, if people out there don't know the feeling of getting ready for a ghost hunt, it is, it is phenomenal. It is. You don't know what you're going to expect. You, every time I've investigated the same museum about 50, 60 times, no more than that, well over a hundred times. And every time has been different. Every time, every time, every building, every room has been different. Right. I can't wait for COVID to slow down and museums open up. I love going to museums and we have one here in uh, Pembroke. Uh, the Champlain Trail Museum. It's amazing. I, I miss going there. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we as a community need to figure out and focus, what are we investigating for? If we're mm-hmm. investigating for ourselves and the thrill, that's okay. Yep. Very much okay. That's what I do. But... If, if, you, if you're trying to make a difference in this field, you have to have focus on what you're doing. It's like the, the Sasquatch field. This is a, a real pet peeve of mine, and I know many others in this field who've talked about it, where we have a lot of people who believe it's a monkey of North America. It's a great ape of North America. They go as far as saying it's Gigantopithecus. Then you have many people out there who say, look, I had a Sasquatch walking right in front of me and I was walking that trail and I was following it and it disappeared. Or you people have found tracks in the snow that just vanish. They just stop and they shouldn't stop, but they do. Where did it go? Hmm. Right? And we have too many people in this field, whether it's a paranormal, UFOs, cryptid world like Sasquatch who are conducting opinion and hiding behind the word science. Okay. Now it's funny 
because the I will tell you my secret to telling you uh, to telling anybody out there, and and this is going to be a controversial statement here. I will get heat for this, and I'm I'm okay with it. But I'm but you know what? I've talked to enough people to know I'm right. The minute I hear a paranormal team use the word science, I know they're a garbage team. Let me tell you why. The majority of people who are actually conducting real science in this field are, conduct, are conducting it in, in a controlled environment. Skinwalker Ranch. Um, there are certain houses that ghost hunters have bought in the United States where they conduct several investigations there weekly to try and test what is going on. That is a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. Seeing little techie gear, whether it's a FLIR camera, an SLS, uh, a RAM pod, a K2, or whatever other uh, digital app you want to use, is not science. There is nothing scientific about using technology. The, techn- the science has already been done in the building of that technology. And, you know, it's like the Sasquatch world where you get these people, well, I'm going out looking for the monkey of B.C. Well, number one, British Columbia doesn't have any monkeys. <laughs> yeah. It's never been reported to have any monkeys. Number two, if you don't believe, like, uh, there's one investigator in town in, in British Columbia here where he's all monkey this monkey that uh, his uh, production company is called Big Harry Monkeys or something like that and when you ask him about well what about all of the the woo side of stuff mm-hmm. no I don't believe that no I don't believe that I this is this is a, a humanoid type creature and this is what I'm searching for okay What's scientific about what you're doing? We don't have a creature. We have footprints that could be man-made, even though I don't think they are. But there's a possibility. We have scat samples, which you can't afford a DNA sample because that's around $25,000. Holy Hannah, I didn't know it was that expensive. David Politis told me that. Wow. Um, you can't get hair tested because that's scientific. You're probably not going to have the money to send it to the lab. Mm. So realistically, you're basing your research off your camera, which is likely going to be shaky. Um, last time I checked, dr- drones were not scientific. And... You look at it, what are you doing? So what you're doing is you're not conducting science, you're conducting opinion. Your opinion is that this is a monkey. Well, have no proof. And you are conducting zero science because you are already drawing conclusions towards your own personal bias. And that's not scientific. That's not scientific (laughs) at all. No. So I I know you well enough to know that when you go on a ghost hunt, all right, 
you take it all in. You want to feel each room. Mm-hmm. You want get a uh, you want to debrief yourself. Okay, what am I preparing for? What do I have to look for? What am I trying to solve here? Who am I trying to communicate with? Okay, because you'll get a little history lesson from everybody before you go in. Most of us don't go in with zero preconceived notions. What's going on in there? Mm -hmm. We let the evidence speak for itself. So for us, like even when I was at the museum doing our tour here, we took those little pieces that we got. So if our tour was two hours long, we may get one minute of evidence that we didn't even collect. Because as the tour guides, we never allowed ourselves to be a part of the hunt. All we did was we explained what was going on. Uh. But he else had their cameras. Mm-hmm. You know why? Couldn't taint it. Our hands were off. Right? Mm, and, yeah. and so... The reason why I say that is probably the same as you is we would take that little snippet, that little 20 second, 30 second experience to try and add it to this other 20 second, 30 second experience to try and get a minute of evidence. And that one may have happened three months ago and this one happened yesterday and it's the same. It's like solving a puzzle with all the pieces facing down and all you're looking at is the back gray side. And you don't even know what the picture looks like. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, buddy. <laughs> you know, and, and that's where I I get a little confused by the community because we're so rough and tumble. We want to rip everybody a new one. We want to shoot down everybody else's incredible and hard work. And yet, A... We don't even know what the hell we're looking for. B, we don't even know what a possible conclusion will be because we're conducting opinion, not science. And C, we don't have any answers to what we even know what we're looking for because we don't know what we're looking for. We can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> I get confused. This is why hope. I trust real people and, and their experiences. I trust people who are in, who are everyday people. I'll give you an example. My two Sasquatch gifting sites that I have, I they were pretty much blown out due to the forest fires. Oh. So the other day at my daytime office, I had a logging trucker come in. And I was talking to him and I said to him, you ever see anything weird in the forest? Weird how? <laughs> he said, I don't know, just... Odd, things you can't explain. He goes, yeah, just like that. He goes, yeah. He goes, well, we're coming down the mountain, man. He goes, you wouldn't believe how many times we see something out of the corner of our eye moving between trees, and then it's not there. I've seen, And, you know, he's like, it's not always deer or bear or whatever. There's sometimes we don't know what it is. And then he pipes up, he goes, and you know, there's a lot of times, because a lot of the logging truck drivers will start work at like two in the morning, mm-hmm. two, three in the morning. I don't know how they do it. God bless them for the hard work that they do. But they'll say that they'll be on these logging roads. doesn't matter if it's winter, summer or whatever. And all of a sudden they'll see the mountains all light, lit up and they, it ain't the moon. Wow. It's and it's not Northern lights. <laughs> it's not Northern lights. <laughs> And, it definitely, <laughs> and it's definitely not Chinese lanterns. 
Okay. And I said, well, what about Sasquatch? He says, yeah, I got some areas for you. Just so, matter of fact. Yeah. Just like that, yeah. I was able, in, in that 15-minute conversation, I was able to track down three brand new areas that I've never investigated before to go look for high strangeness. Would you and have thought that, to go to those locations? I know where they are. Yeah. Haven't been there yet. I can tell you right now, Davey will the minute the snow melts. <laughs> yeah. and, and if oh, come I on, get, get your snowshoes on, Dave. Come on. <laughs> have you ever snowshoed? No. <laughs> I've seen yeah, snowshoes. <laughs> I did it once. And that was a couple of years ago. And I, I remember saying to my buddy who convinced me to do it, I said, you know what? This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> Honestly, he, I said, where's the enjoyment in this? Well, come on. It's a good workout. I said, you don't have <laughs> knees of an 80-year-old like I do. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> oh, I just teased him about it, but it's all good. But no, uh, I would love to have some answers, though. Overall, I would love to have some answers. But we also have to think, too, Kat. I don't know how much time we have left, but you also have to think, too, do we really want answers? I know. The, I mentioned that to someone just the other day. Do I, I really want to know? Like, yeah. You know, I remember a story where when I was like 13, four, 13 years old, 14 years old, I wanted this remote control truck. And I was a snooper. And one day, <laughs> I right about two and a half weeks before Christmas, I found the truck. I've never told my parents this story. But I found the remote control truck hidden underneath the spare bedroom in our spare room. Or underneath the bed of our spare bedroom. Oh, I was, I was picturing the bed, not a room, but yes. <laughs> I will tell you, I was, I was so happy to know that I was getting the truck, but I felt horrible that I found it. And... Now I had to act on Christmas like this was the greatest day of my life, even though I knew I was already getting it. Yeah. And I think that if we found Bigfoot or if we found Dogman or if we were able to prove the existence of aliens, which I think is the most culpable coming up here in the next couple of decades, what's left? Yeah. Life has to have some mystery we're all going to be ending up playing a bridge with the elderly at the old folks home <laughs> i don't want to play bridge with the old folks home just yet you know give me 30 years then i'll go play bridge right i'll warm up my canasta game oh i haven't played right? canasta in years i'm going to be that i'm going to be that one old lady in the home that's going to be asking everybody in the home have you had weird experiences and put a team together <laughs> Right, but but I mean that's that's the thing. But if we know the answers, do we really it's a want thrill the of hunt? the hunt? Oh no, no, yeah. Right, 
It's kind of like when you save up to buy your dream car and you finally get it and then you realize, well, it's still just a car. Mm-hmm. It has four wheels, a steering wheel, a touch screen, you know. I don't have a touch Break. screen <laughs> in my vehicle. <laughs> you know, or whatever. But that that's the reality of it. The beautiful part of what we do, Kat, is we have the awesome job or hobby, whatever you want to call it, of talking about these stories and informing people with them. Yes, it's easy to focus on the negative within the community because it's so prevalent these days. But in the end, whether we're podcasting, whether we're out looking for ghosts or Sasquatch, I don't know if I ever want the mysteries to become reality. They're real to me because I've had my proof. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I want the government to to tell me that they're going to, you know, block off an area of the forest in British Columbia for 500,000 square hectares because Sasquatch is there. We also have to remember, too, that in a lot of these, there's a lot of money involved that we don't know. So you take Sasquatch, for instance. Let's say, just out of curiosity, You take a national park, okay, crown land here in Canada, and if Sasquatch was found to be in that area, you know what happens to that area? It gets shut down to everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody. No fishing. If you're into hunting, no hunting. If you're into camping, no camping. No campfires. No taking that hiking trail. Because they shut down the area in order to try and find the habitat of the Sasquatch, what it's eating, where it's drinking, where is it sleeping, where is it pooping, where is it peeing, is it migratory, Where, do, if it is, where do they follow the deer, where are they burying their dead, or what have you. There's all these questions that the environmentalists and the government need to find out. There's no logging in that area. That's shut down too. Now, I know in my area, when there have been uh, Sasquatch attacks, I don't want to call it attacks, encounters with logging teams. Altercations. It's <laughs> a good word. Too, yeah. They are told to shut up. Don't say a thing. Because every one of those logging areas is probably valued at about five to six million dollars. And that is what you're making for the year, where you're paying your crew, where you're paying your equipment, where you're paying your debts off, where you're paying your mortgage. There's a lot of, I mean, the average logger in my area makes about $90,000 to $100,000 a year. The average logging trucker Makes about one hundred and twenty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. No food on the table, you know. Exactly. So when they, this actually happened in the state of Oregon, where they found a, a there was an owl, some sort, and I apologize, I don't know 
the type of owl, but there was, I believe it was a, some sort of spotted owl that was uh, on the endangered species list. Is that the one that has red eyes when uh, light hits it? I think so. I think so. Well, anyways, they ended <clears throat> up, the, the they found it in a national park or, or in the forest there, and the, both the state and federally, they shut down that entire area until an environmental assessment could be done. Where are they located? So if we could do that for a spotted owl, and good for them for doing it. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not criticizing that whatsoever. Good for them for doing it. But could you imagine if a brand new species is found? What are they going to do? They, they will immediately halt everything. And that is a financial backlash to hundreds, if not thousands, of people. And when we think, well, geez, they could go log somewhere else. Sure they can. Mm. Sure they can. But they've they established this spot. They bought that spot off the government, the contract, to take that those trees. Mm -hmm. or, or, or what about fishing? What if there was a new species of, of trout or salmon found? Or any other type of fish that we don't even know about. Or a crayfish or a frog. Mm. And Sasquatch. Right? It'll end up like, okay, you take the Kermode bear, the spirit bear, on the west coast of British Columbia. There's one area in the world where these bears are, and it is in that, that area. And there's only about 400 to 500 in the world. It's illegal to kill them. It's illegal to hunt them, which is fantastic. But that entire area is shut off. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're allowed to hike in there now because the, the tourism for the Kermode bear raises a lot of money for its protection of the species. Good. Yes, you can fishing in that area because you're not going to be see uh, Kermode bears swimming in the middle of the bay. Okay, they may be on the shores looking for the salmon that come up dead, but they're not going to be right in the middle of the bay. But, you know, that, like I said, there is a lot of things that, that have to be looked at. And if Sasquatch or Dogman or, or Pixies or Gnomes or, or Little People or Wendigos or, or Skinwalkers or whatever are found living in those areas, guess what? It gets shut down. Yep. So who's prepared for that? I don't think anybody is. That's why I don't want the yeah. mysteries to end. Yeah. And like You're I said. You've got to have some fun left for us on this well, yeah. planet. I'm getting old. I want some, I want some excitement. <laughs> awesome. What's the name of that bear again? I've never heard of that bear. Kermode bear? Yeah. I don't think Spirit, I have. Uh, there's a beautiful story that goes along with that. It's, it's a very, uh, it deals with a raven. I don't. I've read the story a number of times, and it's it, it was uh, told by the Coast Salish about how the raven took away the pigmentation of the bear's um, fur. Hmm. So the Cody bears are white, but they're not albino. Oh wow! They're white-haired black bears. Huh. I have to look into that. That's fascinating. Oh. They are beautiful. Hmm. I've never seen them face to face. Mm -hmm. I've 
been in that area, I would love to go. It's right below Bella Coola or right above Bella Coola. One of the two. They on the, wouldn't on beach coast. There wouldn't be in the same genus as um, uh, uh, oh, <laughs> the big white bears up north. Oh my God! What are they called? No <laughs> polar bears. They're, they're, they're something completely different. Black bears. Wow. They're actual. Like I said, they're not albino. They're not polar. Mm-hmm. They're actual black bears that have white fur. Hmm. And let me just. You got to hear this story. It's so incredible. Okay, so uh, spirit bear legend. We get black bear here, and uh, my little community. Every once in a while, you'll see one walking down the main drag early in the morning. All right, uh, spiritually significant <laughs> to the indigenous people who have called these isolated inlets and islands their home for millennia. The spirit bears of the Great Bear Rainforest are a magical site for lucky visitors. Oh, that doesn't tell me the story of it. Where is it here? Uh, Spirit bears have white fur, but black noses and paws, making them different from albino or polar bears. Kermode bears are actually a subspecies of black bear and are the result of a double recessive gene similar to the phenomena that results in red hair or blue eyes in humans. Huh. Yeah, this is fantastic. Um, Here it is. Based on the story of the time when the glaciers receded and the raven, creator of the rainforest, made one in ten black bears white to remind people of the time when the earth was covered in ice and snow. Hmm. That's what it is. Nice. Beautiful. Really is. Yeah, I definitely have to look that up. Sasquatch. Say again? That area is allegedly covered in Sasquatch. Hmm. Now, I don't know why I thought of that, but I thought of the bear and the Sasquatch sitting in the middle of the woods playing poker. I have no idea why my mind went there. Sounds very, very (laughs) psychic to me. Maybe they do that. We don't know. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. No, you got to get on that, Dave. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> With a double-double. <laughs> I'm an ice cap guy. Oh, yeah. Double-double for you. I don't care how cold it is. I'm still drinking an ice cap. <laughs> well, actually, I put two milk, one sugar. For those of you who are listening and don't know what a double-double is, we have a very well-known... A coffee chain here in Canada called Tim Hortons, and the majority of people like to drink two cream, two sugar, so we just call it a double-double. So, yeah. <laughs> if you want to be real rebellious, you go with a triple-triple. Yeah, I do know some people like, oh, no. No. Too creamy. Yeah, that's fat. Yeah, you just taught me about a new kind of bear that I had no idea existed in Canada. Thank well, you, Dave. <laughs> well, when you're on the West Coast, we got to go looking for it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would love that if my knees can handle it. <laughs> hey. Wow. Help you out more. I'm just having a good time here. So. Me too, yeah. I always like talking to you. We don't do it enough. I know. I know. But 
I think you had, have you told your listeners where you're going to be broadcasting soon? In the intro, yes. KPNL. I'm so excited. And thank you, Dave, for you mentioning that. I mean, I'm not the type that goes searching to have my show, you know, hey, will you have my show on your network? You know, if it happens, it happens. And we were just chatting the other day and you mentioned it and I messaged her and uh, some of the things her and I were saying, uh, we really, really connected. It was it was amazing. Um, I was asking her about um, do dragons make sense to you, and she was yes, yes, and asking eye color and, and skin color, and and it's too long of a story to go for for you listeners here. But we really, really connected, and uh, our both our abilities hey. opened up, and we it's like we were we've known each other before and we've followed each other on social media for a couple of years already, but we never really chatted before. So this is amazing. So thank you so much, Dave. Oh, anything I can do to help, you know, um, I don't listen to a lot of shows, Kat. I don't either. There's too many. I have my stinky little favorites. Yeah. And I like to help those people. Greatly appreciated. Well, I mean, us Canadians have to stick together too. A. <laughs> KPNL. She is a. She's just a lovely soul. And, she is. Um, she. The one thing that I like helping her with is bringing good people in. And so many times she's brought in some real arrogant people who don't have her. Even though she's made the financial investment, she's too nice to say go away. Aww. And they take advantage of that situation. Uh, I, I like to go in there and help her out and say, "Look, this is a good one for you. This is a good one." I've done. I haven't done yes. it much, but I think she's got three or four shows on there that I've recommended from people. And yours is the latest. And I think your show on KPNL is going to be absolutely beautiful and um, well deserved. I appreciate that. I also realized when I checked out her website that she has some friends of mine on. Steve Stockton is on there. Cisco Murdoch is on there. And I'm like, oh, my. So, yeah, definitely part of the family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh there's some good people over there. That's for yeah. sure. So, thank you. So, I just lost my train of thought. I'm going to be editing this part. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is why I don't do live. <laughs> um, oh, geez. Somebody went to the kitchen and, and distracted my, my thought. They know I'm recording. I like, hmm? like to go to the kitchen. I got some pizza upstairs. <laughs> I wish I could eat some real food right now. Oh, jeepers. But anyways. Okay. So that part's going to be edited. <laughs> Say again. I say that all the time. <laughs> but it's such a Ukrainian sit statement Is it right there. Really? I didn't. I because I'm a French, oh, Scottish, and Ukrainian dis, Ukrainian descent. I don't know much about the Ukrainian side, but yeah, it's the more I find out about it, it's just yep, that's <laughs> that's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my my grandmother, paternal grandmother, was a Romanic, and uh, that's oh. where we get the uh, Ukrainian. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Well, we are at an hour, Mr. Scott. <laughs> Is there? Do you have any final thoughts or anything else you would like to, to add? My, my final thought is this. 
I want to say thank you for coming on. I think you have a real talent for what you're doing and watching you go from this little itty bitty little <laughs> podcast to where you are today has been so much fun, Kat. And Thanks. Well served. And every time you ask me to come on, I I always say yes. You notice that I always say yes, yes. and you're always so supportive. You're one of the sweethearts out there, and, oh, thanks. and wish you continued success. Thank you. I've uh, been very lucky. Um, I've been slow and steady for listeners, and um, I, what really amazes me is when I look at the stats and I see where people are listening from. You know, That's South Korea. How are you listening to my show in South Korea? You know, Philippines. I just Brazil. It's just, and of course North America. But it amazes me. One night in our YouTube chat, chat, we had, I think it was like 22 different countries. Wow. Yeah. That's like there amazing. was South Africa, mm-hmm. Sri Lanka, one in Indonesia, Australia, New Zealand, United States, Canada. Uh, there was one in Austria, one in the Czech Republic. I've had uh, Czech Republic too, yep. Yeah, a couple in the UK. Uh, like London, Britain, area, England mm-hmm. area, and then you have you know Scotland, Wales, and by the time it added up, it was like twenty, twenty some. I think it was like twenty or nineteen to twenty two countries or something like that. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. I even had one in Thailand that night too. Oh wow! Nice. Yeah, so I'm just like you every time. I, what I want to do is I got this big opening on my wall. <laughs> yeah. I actually. To get a a map of the world with some push pins. Oh, that so would be neat. That, that way, because every now and again, what I'll do in my chat room is I'll actually say, "Okay, guys, where's everybody from?" Yeah. And then I could put a little like if they're new, I can put a little pinhole. Okay, well, you're from, you know, you're listening in from Hawaii. Wonderful, you're in Oahu, right there. Okay, you're from Chihuahua, Mexico, right there. Brazil. Right there. Yeah. Right? I, I, I'm totally, I keep saying I'm going to do it. I'm threatening myself. Dave, <laughs> damn it, you're going to do it. You're I'm going to hound you now, Dave. You're going to do it. <laughs> Don't make me go uh, there. <laughs> yeah, well, if I get a map, you've got to get a map. <laughs> okay, I will. Let's do it. We'll do it together. That's one thing I don't like about uh, doing pre-recorded is I can't ask the listeners in the moment, where, where are you from? You know, I have to, they, they, I just look at the stats or they send me little messages saying, hey, I'm listening from here. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. You know, just to me, it's not necessarily the numbers. I like to know where people are listening from. It's amazing. Maybe what you do is you set up an email and tell your listeners that, hey, I got a new map of the world. I'm curious where all of you are from. Send me a little note at this email or, or on Facebook or wherever yeah. and tell me where you're from so I can add you your location to my map. Okay, I'm gonna do that. You heard it. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> we'll start let's doing do that. Together. Yeah, let's do it together. I'm, we'll, I'm gonna leave it to you to remind me this week to go find the map. Because <laughs> in my little town, finding anything is impossible right oh, now. I might have you to send you one. <laughs> All right, I'll have to order one. I got to order a new green screen too. So I think Amazon might be the best way to do that. But yeah, I want to do that. Okay, it, it's we're doing this. This is cool. Yeah. Well, before we sign off, um, 
there's probably just a handful of people who don't know Dave Scott and Spaced Out Radio, but would you like to tell those few listeners where they can find you? Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time for doing that. You can find us on our website, spacedoutradio.com, our YouTube channel, uh, which is youtube.com forward slash spacedoutradio. We're on Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, both TikTok and Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. And then my personal handles on Twitter and Instagram are at Dave Scott SOR. So we're all over social media, Facebook, Spaced Out Radio, everything. You can come join our group. We allow everybody in. So as long as they're not negative and, and hounding people. <laughs> Because I, I have heard you once uh, um, tell off a listener who was not being friendly in the chat, and uh, you made sure that you told them, <laughs> yeah, yes, you, <laughs> looking at you. <laughs> and I was sitting there listening, applauding, going, good for you, keep the negativity out. My listeners are very important to me. And when a troll comes in and isn't taking shots at my guest mm-hmm. or my list, I have or I have a real problem with that. You know what? Insult me all you want. I've had people come into my chat room and say, "Hey, man, you look like you look like Santa Claus when I have my big beard. <laughs> Your big fat yeah. guy with the hair and beard. Fine, take any shot you want at me. But you know what? A guest is giving you the privilege of their time. Yes, a listener." is giving you the privilege of their time. Yep. We don't have a lot of time on this planet. Mm-hmm. I have one listener right now. This is a true story. I have one listener right now, Kat, who is dying. Oh, so sorry okay. to hear that. And he has told me that he will probably not see the end of 2022. And he listens almost every night because wow. we take this off of things. And I look at people like that, and that's a gift. That person sure is, is, yeah. every, every day is, is, their one, is, is one day closer to their final day, as it is for all of us. But he's on a timeline right now. Mm-hmm. You and I are not. All right? But I look at that, and he is choosing to spend his time listening to SOR. You know how good that makes me feel? Makes me feel like a million dollars. You know? So when I get a troll in my chat room, or even if it's one of my regulars who is having a bad, bad day, mm-hmm. okay, deciding to take it out on all of us, I will pipe up because my listeners and my guests are important. Mm-hmm. And they've given us the gift of their time. And I don't think a lot of podcasters. YouTubers respect that. Time is important. Yep, exactly. And, you know, and I'm sure you've noticed too that it seems like all of these hit piece shows are coming out where they're they're taking, whether it's somebody in the ghost field or UFO field, where it's almost like ambush style journalism now. Mm-hmm. Casting where I, I'm not even going to call it journalism. That's an insult to journalism. Where there's all of a sudden this, you bring on this guest, you book the guest. Maybe it's a big name or a larger name in the community, 
and then you start hammering them about their reputation in the field and hammering them about their work and being a faker and a hoaxer. We're seeing this left, right, and center all over the place, especially in the UFO and cryptid world right now. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen it much in the paranormal world, but I don't have time for that. I, don't I consider them bullies. That. I do. I don't. I don't know why they have to do that, but yeah, I do know some. Some. Um, I have friends and guests who have been. Um, they've had horrible experiences on other shows because they were attacked by the by the host. And in my opinion, there's no need for that. Like you said, they're giving you their time. And you know what, though, but on that on that sense too. We're allowed to ask tough questions, mm -hmm. but there's a difference between asking a tough journalistic type question compared to attacking someone's reputation. Yeah. And somewhere along the lines of, especially over the last couple of years, we blurred that line, mm -hmm. and it's a it to go away. It does. With that said, thank you so much, Dave, for being here. I really appreciate it. Much love. You take care. Much love to you as well. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to purpleplanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 